Galatians chapter 2, and uh, this will be our passage this morning. We're going to begin reading in verse 16, and we'll read down through verse 20. Just a few verses, very familiar passage this morning, and I trust it will be an encouragement to us. So when you found your place, let's stand together for the reading of God's Word. We'll open in prayer, and then begin reading in verse 16. All right, let's pray together. Father, how we love you today, how we thank you for your precious Word. And Lord, as we look to you, we come to the Word of God just with hungry hearts, We come, Lord, looking for you in the pages of Scripture, and we pray you would, Lord, just manifest yourself to us today. Lord, just show us your love and grace. We pray you just provide direction and guidance from your word today as we look therein. Lord, we come to the the mirror of God's word, as Brother James put it, and uh, Lord, we're hoping to, to see you, but also, Lord, we know that there are things we need to see about ourselves, so we pray you do your work in our hearts. We pray, dear Holy Spirit, you'd be our teacher and guide, that you would apply the word to our lives and show us what you'd have us do as a result of what we learned today. Lord, we do thank you in advance for what you're going to do. We ask you, Lord, to have your will and way in our hearts today. In Christ's name we ask. Amen. Verse 16, Galatians chapter 2. The Bible says, Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ, and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. But if, while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves also are found sinners, is therefore Christ the minister of sin? God forbid. For if I build again the things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. For I, through the law, am dead to the law, that I might live unto God. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not frustrate the grace of God, for if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. I want you to notice verse 20 with me, if you would. And let's read it together one more time. The Bible says in verse 20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Thank you so much. You may be seated. What a great verse. Powerful verse. You know, many of you may have memorized verse 20 by itself, and I just backed up a little bit to get the context in which Paul was sharing this great truth with us. In verse 20, I want you to notice the expression that Paul refers to in the, in the well, I guess the lower portion of that verse. He says now, he says, the life which I now live, the life which I now live, almost in the center in my Bible, but if you'll find that, pat, that little phrase there, the life which I now live, you might want to underline that. I want to speak on that thought this morning. A message entitled, Live the Life. Live the Life. Paul said, the life that I now live. And we know his story, so we can imagine the stark contrast that Paul is, is giving us here from, from his earlier Life and the religious service that he was offering to God. We know about his transformation on the Damascus Road, the day he met Jesus in person. 
We know about the revelation of Jesus Christ into the life of Paul and how it totally changed his trajectory for life. Because Paul was persecuting Christians, doing a religious service and thinking that he was doing God's service. But Jesus said, remember, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. Now, was Paul persecuting Jesus? Absolutely not. But he was persecuting the followers of Jesus. Isn't it interesting that on the Damascus Road, Jesus didn't say, I'm Jesus whose followers you persecute? He said, I am Jesus whom you persecute. You need to remember that God always takes it personally, the way we treat his children, the way we treat other believers in the family of God. Hey, God takes that personal. And by the way, on the flip side of that, Jesus also said, uh, you know, shared with us that truth about in the end times, in the judgment, when he will say, I was naked and you, and you clothed me. I was alone and you visited me. I was hungry and you fed me. And they're going to say, when did we do this? And he said, when you do it to the least of these, my brethren. So again, another example of how Jesus takes personally how we treat those who walk with him, those who serve him. That's why it's important that we understand the emphasis, the value of serving others. In the Christian life, that's the way we serve God. We serve God by serving others. Should I say, it is among many of the ways. There are things we do for God only as part of our worship, part of our devotional life. There are things that we do for God only, uh, you know, that, that really doesn't impact another person's life. You know, our, our giving, our praise, our prayer, uh, there's, there's several things. But largely what we do as far as under the, under the realm of what we call ministry is connected to how we serve other people, and thereby we serve God. And we do it with that intention, don't we? In order to serve God, we do reach out to others. Paul's life was changed. And he's alluding to that change when he says, the life that I, that I now live, the life that I now live, He's speaking from that, from that position of change and transformation. And, you know, that's what I want to share with you this morning. I want to encourage you to live the life also. Be the change. Show forth what God has done in your heart and in your life. In verse 21, Paul said, I do not frustrate the grace of God. I want to share with you real quick two things as introduction that, that frustrate the grace of God. And one of these comes directly from Paul's past. You see, because there's two things that frustrate the grace of God. What, what is frustration? Well, that's when something is working against what you're trying to do. Doesn't that produce frustration in your life? Right? So, so Paul's making a reference to the grace of God here. What, what does that? What works against the grace of God and frustrates God's purpose? Number one, seeking righteousness through the law. Seeking righteousness, trying to be right with God by the things you do. Seeking righteousness through the law, that frustrates the grace of God. Now that was Paul's past. He grew up a Pharisee. He was trying to keep all the commandments. And he thought he was, you know, earning merit with God by doing that. So he says, I do not frustrate the grace of God with that anymore. But that's not the only way you can frustrate the grace of God. At the opposite end of the spectrum... People frustrate the grace of God, number two, by professing grace while living in sin. 
professing grace while living in sin. Look at verse 17. He said, but if while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves are found sinners. So there's two opposite ends that ways we can frustrate the grace of God. And Paul was saved out of one of those. That, that law, that life of religious service trying to keep the law. And he's saying, you know what? You can't do that. So what did Paul do? Paul died to all that and determined now that he was going to live for Christ. For Christ alone. Isn't that awesome? And that's what verse 20 is all about. He said, for I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Isn't that powerful? I want to share with you some thoughts about the life Paul was talking about. The life that I now live. First of all, I believe it was a concluded life. A concluded life. Look what Paul said about his new life in Christ. He said, I am crucified with Christ. I am crucified. Was he saying, I'm dead? No, but he was saying, I'm dead to certain things. Very powerful. You know, if you want to follow Christ and be what Paul was, you want to be the, another caliber uh, Christian, then guess what? You've got to step up your game. Paul said, we have to come to some conclusions. And he definitely did. This is a concluded life. He called it a crucified life. Turn with me, if you would, to Romans chapter 6. And let me show you what what I mean. And again, I'm going to use the words of Paul. Writing from his own mouth, his own pen, he explains, he kind of elaborates on what it means to be crucified with Christ. Now, we know Paul was from the south. All right, and we know that because of this passage of Scripture. Notice verse 11, Romans chapter 6, verse 11. He says, likewise... Reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. (laughs) You notice the word reckon, right? Reckon. I grew up hearing that word. I know what that means. And Paul knew what it meant. And he now is giving it to you who know what it means. Make up your mind. That's what the word reckon means. Decide ahead of time. Paul said, I reckon, right? Reckon yourselves dead unto sin and alive unto God. You have to position yourself to do that. Reckon yourselves. You know, you have to be that in your mind before you're going to be that in your life. So he said, we have to die to some things. Now, we're in Romans chapter 6. Let's back up. Look at verse 4. He's actually given us a theological explanation of baptism, but it happens to fit what we're talking about. Notice he said, Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. What he's he's talking about here is being dead to some things and being alive to some things, right? Being dead to the old life, being dead to the flesh, being dead to sin, but being alive to Jesus Christ, free to do his will. That's what that means. It's a concluded life. It's a crucified life. Look at verse 5. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. In other words, you've got to die to some things before you can live to those others. So verse 6, he says, Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth... We should not serve sin. 
So he said, reckon. What does that mean? Make up your mind. You know what? You've got to decide to be dead to the old ways and the old life. Be dead to sin. What does that do? It frees you then to serve God. Be alive to Jesus Christ. All right? Powerful, isn't it? Be dead to the old man. Be, be buried to all of that. Let's look again. These aren't in my notes, but a little extra here. Certainly wouldn't hurt. Notice verse 12. The Bible says, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof or the desire thereof. This passage has to do with getting a hold of ourselves, conquering our desires and our appetites, right? And Paul alluded to the appetite a lot. As a matter of fact, in the book of Romans, he talks about people whose God is their belly. What does he mean by that? They worship their food? No, what he's saying is they serve their appetites. They are bound by their own desires because they're out of control. The desire controls them instead of them controlling their desires. So which category would you fit in? When Paul said, I'm died to the old man, what he meant was, I, I have those desires put to rest. They've, they're conquered. Those sinful desires, those sins of the flesh. Now, now, by the way, by the way, he didn't mean that they were so conquered that he never sinned again. Skip a few chapters over and read Romans chapter 7, and you'll find Paul in that struggle talking about, you know, I do the things that I would not, and those things that I would do, sometimes I don't do them. We all struggle with that. This is a daily deal. And that's why uh, in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul said, I die daily. It's, it's daily we've got to conquer the desires. It's daily we have to make this choice to die to sin and live to Christ. Sometimes it's moment by moment. We have to get a hold of that, right? And the power of God allows us to be free from sin and live for the Lord Jesus Christ. Turn with me, if you would, to... Uh, Galatians chapter 5. We were in chapter 2 a moment ago. And let's go over now to chapter 5. Notice what the Bible says. Galatians 5 verse, I think it's 24. Let me make sure I have the right verse. Verse 24, it says, And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. So how do you crucify the flesh, Paul? He said, you've got you to overcome the affections and lusts of the flesh in order to crucify the flesh. You have to control them and not let them control you. Let me give you an example. I heard about a, a man one time who was trying to do this. And he was very hungry, and, and he found himself to be, to be hungry, and he said, you know, I don't want that desire to control me. So he went and got his food, but then he set it on a tray in the room and said, okay, I'm going to decide when to eat, and I'm not going to let my stomach decide when I'm going to eat. Now, that may not be the best example, but it's, it's an example of, of conquering your appetites, your desires, right? Do our desires control us? If they do, then we're out of control. Being controlled by the flesh means that we're living in the old man, in the old life, in the old way. We have to overcome that so that we can be free to live for Christ. Paul writes a lot about this. Um, well, we could just do a separate Bible study on that one day, the, talking about, you want to do a good study, then, then write it down and do a study on the flesh. See what the Bible says about the flesh 
What does the Bible say about carnality and the carnal man, the carnal nature? Uh, those are some interesting words. Paul describes all of that. And when, it, when the word carnivorous, what does it mean? It means fleshly. All right, so, so all of that is a reference back to the fallen sinful nature of man. And when we are controlled by those fallen sinful desires, then we are bound by sin and we're not free to serve Christ. Right? And, and, and by the way, those, those sinful desires will, will keep you from serving Christ in a lot of ways. That's why Paul wanted to get victory over that. Notice 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. What is this? It's a concluded life. Paul had to just make up his mind. In order to serve God, I have to die to some things. And he said, you have to reckon yourself to be dead to sin and alive to God. 1 Peter chapter 1. Look at verse 14 and 15. He says here, let's, go, let's catch verse 13. He says, wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Notice he says, as obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. So Paul talks about the desires of the, of the flesh, as a matter of fact, in one passage, he talks about putting off the works of the flesh, and he names those specific things. And then he talks about putting on the new man, the, those things of the spirit that we're supposed to put on. Powerful, powerful passage there. That's what it means to be crucified. That's what it means to die to self, to, to take up your cross daily. That's what it's talking about. Die to those old fleshly carnal ways and live to the ways of the spirit of God. Be alive to serve Jesus Christ through that transformation that is occurring. So what did he call it here in verse 14? He called it obedient children. The obedient children of God, they, 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 they follow this process. They take the journey from carnality to spirituality. Right? They take the time to conclude themselves dead to sin so they can be alive to Jesus Christ. Right? Paul was saying that he didn't want anything to, to conquer him because he didn't want to be a castaway. Remember that? So he said he brought all things subject to Christ. That starts with our desires. Powerful, powerful passage. So he's talking about death to self. He's talking about living to Christ. Luke 9.23 talks about taking up your cross. Um, what is this? It's the crucified life. It's a concluded life. So I ask you this morning, have you concluded? Have you reckoned, as Paul said? Have you decided yourself to be dead to sin and alive to God? That's what he wants us to do. That's how we make this transition. But number two, it's not only a, a concluded life. The life that I now live, Paul is talking about, it's also a connected life. A connected life. You know, Paul thought he was connected before. He was connected to the Pharisees. He was connected to a religious institution. He was connected to a life of what he thought a life of purpose. And he was connected to what many interpreted as power. He had power in a worldly sense. Authority, remember, from the chief priests to do his bidding. But now he's connected to something else. 
As a matter of fact, there was a place where Paul said all of that stuff, all of those credentials, the authorization, all of the power, he said, I count that as dung that I may win Christ. He said, I, he said, I, I, I threw all that away, right, so that I could have the Lord on my side. So now he's connected directly to the Lord. Look at John chapter 15 with me, if you would. What does it mean to be connected to the Lord? Well, this is, of course, part of being saved by the grace of God, becoming a child of God, being born again from above. It's when you, by your own will, choose to accept the work that Jesus Christ did on the cross and reject your work. You stop trying to be a Christian and please God and and make do for all of your sins and your past. When you decide to accept Christ and allow the blood that he shed on the cross to redeem you from sin, that's when it begins. What does it do? It grafts you in, and from then on, you're connected in this way. Look at John 15, verse 5. Jesus said, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. Wow. We need the vine, don't we? We need the life giver if we're to enjoy life. And so, we, we, when we come to Christ in salvation, when we accept him as our Savior, we put our faith and trust in what he did, not in what we're doing or have done. At that point, what, what happens? We get saved. We become a child of God. We get grafted into the vine, and then we're connected in a new way to Jesus Christ. Paul talked about this life that I now live it was a life in Christ. He said, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live, he said, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He alludes to that process, that, that salvation and, and the connection that he has in Jesus. Go with me to Galatians again, if you would, and let's go to chapter 5 there. Notice what he says in, in, in John chapter 15, verse 5. He said when we're plugged into the vine, right, we're connected to the vine, and we're connected to Jesus, what did he say? We would bear much fruit. What is that fruit? The Bible tells us. Look at Galatians 5, verse 22. He says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. We read verse 24 a moment ago, and they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. So if we've crucified all that, what do we have now? We have love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, temperance, meekness, right? We have all these, the fruit of the Spirit, nine characteristics that God grows in our life. And we have, look, the more we abide in Christ, the more developed these become. God produces this in our life. When we're consecrated to him, it's a connected life. And, and there's evidence of that connection when we walk with Jesus. When, when we read the word of God and we allow it to abide in us, right? If, my, if ye abide in me and my words abide in you, that's what Jesus said. How do you know if his words are abiding in you? Just because you memorized it? No, that, that, that's part of it. That's where it starts. 
You memorize the Word of God so you can do the Word of God. And when you do the Word of God, guess what? Then it starts to bear fruit. The fruit of the Spirit begins to become evident in your life. Hey, listen, you don't have to prove you have fruit. You don't need a microscope. We don't need to do a graft and, and, and scope it to see if you have fruit. Fruit is evident. It's visible. People passing by can plainly see that. Right? Wow. It's powerful. Do people see the fruit of the Spirit in your life? Are you connected to the vine this way? So much so that there's an automatic production of fruit that's just coming and coming in your life? That's the way it should be. That's the, that's the ideal. That's what Paul's describing. This is where he wants to be. 2 Corinthians 5, uh, let's turn there. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And I'm just kind of walking you through. I'd like for you to see these scriptures. If I go too fast, just write them down and, and go back and take a look. Because they're so good. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Notice in verse 17. He says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Powerful, isn't it? So here's the, here's the idea. If you do a word study on this verse, you're going to find that the verbiage here is in the present progressive, which means that it's not a one-time thing, that it's a, that it's a continual process, Right? A continual process of things passing away and becoming new. What does, that, what does that describe? It describes growth. So God gives us birth, and then from there we have, a, we have growth that needs to take place. And we grow through his word. We grow from being connected to him and allowing him to do his work in our life. Look, when, when we start church, we, we pray. And we ask God to bless our time together in our meeting. We ask God to, to have his will and way in this service. We ask God to speak to our hearts. What's all that about? It's about the growth that needs to happen. As we encounter God's word, as we receive the word of God with faith in our hearts, to believe what God says and then walk out of here and put it into practice. That's what that's about. And by the way, the growth can be initiated in here. But the growth's going to happen out there. It's going to happen as we carry out what we've learned. I know it's great. I, I heard this quote, and um, I know it's true that, that one pastor said, look, just because you know something doesn't mean that you've learned it. Wow. Ouch. <laughs> That's kind of hurts, don't it? Just because you know something doesn't mean you've learned it. Yeah, I guess that's true in all of our lives, isn't it? And sometimes we, we have to bear the evidence of that because we have to go through the hard lesson. Not because we don't know it. We have to go through the hard lesson because we know it, but we haven't learned it yet. And that's why when you read your Bible, that's why the children of Israel went round and round in circles sometimes. That's why they experienced some of the same things over and over. And you know you know how we do. We read the Bible and we, and we say, Hey, two pages, don't you just remember? Two chapters ago, what you went through? <laughs> no, they don't. Because they're like us. We're human and we forget. Right? We forget. And sometimes we have to go through it again. A connected life. This is so that we can be surrendered to God. We choose to be surrendered to Him. We choose to allow Him to grow us and develop us. We, we, we choose. Right? Right? To, to give God the authority in our life. To let Him lead 
and us follow. It's a choice. It's an act of the will. It's part of our worship. It's part of the way we worship God. By putting him first. You know Matthew 6, but seek ye first the kingdom of God. How do you do that? By living the connected life. By being crucified to some things. Because what you've done is you've put God on the throne of your heart. You've said God's first in my life and he's so worthy that I'm willing to do this. I'm willing to die to sin. God is so worthy, I'm willing to do this. I'm willing to be connected to the vine and put forth the effort to stay connected and allow God to do a transforming work in my life. It's a concluded life. It's a connected life. But also, Paul is just taking it up another level. It's a controlled life. It's a concluded life so we can be dead to self and sin. It's a connected life so we can surrender to God and and allow him to do his work in us. But it's a controlled life so that we can serve Christ. So all of that previously was to get us to the point now where we can serve, where where we can make a difference for God, where we can do his will. Notice he said, In Galatians 2.20, he said, The life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. He said, I live this life. He didn't say I live it by faith. He said, I live by the faith. What does that mean? You know, the psalmist said, Thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So if we were to just to kind of visualize, you know, you, if you, do you do this sometimes? Do you close your, your, your eyes and, and you let your mind kind of imagine what God is saying? And when I do that, I, I, picture, I picture somebody walking through the wilderness with a, with a lantern, you know, like a lamp. And I picture that they're, they're seeing the next little step, right? And, and as, they, as they reach that lantern forward, then they can see the next step. Thy word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. It just just shows you where to step, right? God's word does that. So when Paul said, the life that I now live, I live by the faith. This is what he's talking about. When he says the faith, he's talking about the body of teachings of of the word of God. What he's saying is, I, I live my life by the book. The Bible gives me the direction, the parameters, and and I'm walking inside of those. He's saying the Bible's going to be my map. It's going to show me where to go, what to do, and how to get there. I live by the faith. When we say I live by faith, what what we're saying is I'm trusting God as I go. But when Paul said I live by the faith, he's saying... This book is pointing the way. He's saying this book is telling me how. It's telling me what. It's telling me where. We need to learn as Christians to live life and do it God's way, not our way. We need to do what the Bible says. We we need to be serious about taking what we've learned and then interpreting it and applying it to life so that we can live it out. 
We need to have the experience that as we're doing things and as we're talking to people, we need to be able to say sometimes, no, I don't do that. Really? How come? Well, because that's not really something that, that pleases my, my Lord. You know, because the Bible says, and that's why I don't participate in that. That's why I don't go there. That's why I don't. Right? Has anybody ever asked you that? Has anybody ever said to you, hey, how come you don't cuss? How come you don't? And they give you examples. They just notice you're different. You don't do these things we do. How come you don't gossip? How hey, I notice you don't, you don't laugh. You don't hang around when they're telling dirty jokes at work. How come? Well, because the Bible says, let no corrupt communication come out of your mouth. The Bible says fools make a mock at sin. You know, the, the Bible says some things that tells me that I don't think, I don't think my Lord is happy with that. And so, look, I, I'm not better than y'all, but I just choose not to hang around all that. Because I think if I participated, it, it wouldn't make the Lord happy with me. And I really want to make him happy. I want to please the Lord because he's done so much for me. God saved me. Right? And hey, that's so, that's so much better of an answer than what we give sometimes. And what they need to hear is not a lesson on righteousness. What they really need to hear is just a reason why. Because I love God and I'm trying, to, I'm trying to do what he wants, not what I want. Hey, you know what? I was saved out of a life of this or that. And, and you know, if it was just, if it was just me, you, you might find me over in a corner listening to that. But, but you know, now it's not just me. It's, it's me and God, you know, and, and he walks with me and he talks with me. Listen, daily, I feel his presence. And sometimes I do things that grieve him. And boy, when that happens, I know it. And I don't really like experiencing that, the guilt that comes with that. And so because of that, I try to stay away from things that I, that I think might not make him happy. Just because I care about how he feels. Isn't that good? Paul said that. That's the life I now live. He said, I live my life, he said, by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. No, the Bible doesn't really have to be a rule book. You remember Paul was saved out of that. Keeping commandments and following rules. It's not really like that. But he loves God enough to let the Bible guide his actions. And maybe sometimes his words. And sometimes he would ask the Holy Spirit for wisdom when to speak and maybe when not to speak. You know, there's times we should just bite our tongue. And yeah, those feelings might be real, but they might not be right. And so because of that, we just don't say sometimes what comes to our mind. Paul talked about the fruit of the Spirit and how it manifests in itself. You know, one of the fruits of the Spirit is temperance. You know what temperance is? Temperance is self-control. Can you control yourself? You know what Brother James said? He said the hardest thing in the world to control is that tongue right there. Can you control that? If you can, that's good. But Paul went a step further. He said not only is he trying to control all that, 
but he's trying to control it under the direction of what God said. So he's now governing his actions, his words, his thoughts, not by his own gauge of what he feels is appropriate and right, but by God's, by God's gauge of what's appropriate and right. Well, that's even a little harder, isn't it? And that's what he's talking about, the life that I now live. So look with me, if you would, to Romans chapter 12. And let's wrap this up right here. Romans chapter 12. This controlled life that he's talking about. In Romans 12, look at verses 1 and 2. He said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. That's your motive. That you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. It's just reasonable to do this after the mercy God shared on you. Then he said in verse 2, And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove or demonstrate what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Paul is saying, well, you know, it's like the little kid's song we used to sing in junior church, you know. If you're saved and you know it, then your life would surely show it. Remember that song? And that's what Paul's saying here. If we're truly saved by the Lord Jesus and we know the mercy that he shed upon us, then it just, it just becomes of us then to love God enough to serve him and live for him in a way that's acceptable to him, in a way that's acceptable to his word, right? So it's not unreasonable at all. It's just a controlled life, living for the Lord. And lastly, let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. One last verse, 2 Corinthians 5. Uh, look at verse 14 and 15. He said, for the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all, and that, that which uh, live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. So here's what he's saying. He's saying, man, I love God so much that it just compels me to live my life in a way that honors him. Right? Why? Well, because before I was dead and he gave me life. And so in appreciation for that now, I serve him by the way I live. And he's saying here in verse 15, and that he died for all, that which live, talking about believers now, you have eternal life. He said we should not henceforth live to themselves. Should I live my life just for me and what pleases me and what I want and where I want to go and what I want to do? Paul said, oh, no, I can't do that. He said, because of what Jesus did for me, oh, he said, I'm compelled to live my life for him. I want to do what pleases him. And how do we know what that is? Right here. Do you know how much harder it was for, for people in the Bible days to live the Christian life? And they didn't have a Bible to pick up and read and say, what does God think about this? They didn't have the privilege to study the Bible and say, well, you know, I want to know what, what God's opinion on that is. A lot tougher. They, didn't ha they couldn't have daily devotions. I mean, they could pray, but that's it. 
They didn't all have access to the scriptures to just go look at them anytime they wanted to. That's why the production of a Bible in English where you could read it and have a copy of your own was such a big deal back in the day. And it still is. It's just that they're so plentiful now, at least in our country, that we take it for granted. God help us. The whole idea, though, is to know his will so that we can live it out in our everyday lives. So that now I'm not living to myself, I'm living for the Lord. Amen? And isn't that what he said baptism was all about? That's what we teach new Christians, right? We're going to be buried with him in baptism, and then we we get raised to walk in newness of life. Are we doing that? Are we walking in newness of life? Are we living the life? Are we living for the Lord? Hey, we should be. The way to do that is to make up your mind. Just reckon, right? Just say, I reckon. I'm going to do it. Make up your mind like Paul did and just live for the Lord each day. It starts right now. It starts with the next step. That's all you got to do. Let's bow and pray together. Father, how we thank you for this passage of Scripture and the truths that Paul shared with us a concluded life, that he was dead to some things. He just decided, he made up his mind that he wasn't going to repeat the errors and sins of the past. Lord, it was a connected life. Lord, that he was just going to be connected to the vine and spend time with you and be mindful of you, mindful of your presence in his every day. And then, Lord, a controlled life. Consciously aware of what your word teaches so that every step, so that every action, every word, that we can guide our thoughts, our life, according to that. Lord, we thank you for having a Bible. What a privilege it is. If we can pick up the word of God anytime. We can read it. We can study it. We can, we can ask, what does God think? And we can go find the answer. Lord, thank you so much for that great privilege. Now we ask you to help us to do what Paul did. Help us, Lord, to live the life that we as Christians should live, a life that honors you, a life that's acceptable to you, holy, acceptable to you, Lord, which Paul said is our reasonable service. Lord, we certainly praise you with our lips, and now we want to praise you with our life. Help us to do it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's stand with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. If God is speaking to your heart this morning, there's some things you want to turn over to the Lord. How about it? Would you slip out and make this your time? Come to that conclusion. Lift it up in prayer to God. Maybe there's some things you need to die to. You might need some help, some strength. Talk to the Lord about that. This is what we call the invitation. And we invite you to join us in living the life that the Christian should live. A life that's lived for the Lord. How about it today? You say, I've been doing that, preacher. That's good. Let's continue then. Ask God for the help and the strength that's needed just on a day-to-day basis. Isn't that what Paul said? I die daily. You did it yesterday. That's good. You got to do it again tomorrow. And there will be new challenges. There will be new hindrances, new obstacles. We just need the Lord constantly abiding to help us overcome.
Amen. Thank you so much. God bless you. You can look this way. All right. Well, Brother Chico, you can stay where you are. Brother, I know your back's been acting up a little bit. He's, been, he's up to bat today, so he's, uh, he's going to give announcements. But I'm going to, I tell you what, I'm going to give the announcements, so you don't have to come up here, and then you can close us in prayer. How about that? Is that a deal? That's a deal. All right. Praise the Lord. Well, hey, don't forget about the gospel brochure that you have. Friend or foe, right? This talks about God as our creator, right? And it gives a presentation of the gospel. So take that and read it and then pass it on to someone. If you like some of the other titles, we have some on the back table. And you can help yourself to those as you go out. Look, let's make sure we're all participating to get a few of these out each and every week, right? So that the gospel is going forth from our church. That is one of the commanded things, right? The Great Commission, as we call it. And so let's be busy about the Lord's work. Also, uh, just a few announcements in the bulletin. We have the uh, potluck Sunday coming up next Sunday. And we're also having the diaper uh, shower for Kirk and Claire. And we'll have a crib set up over there in the fellowship hall so that you can put your gifts there in there for them. And uh, we're excited about that. And then um, also, uh, do we need to do anything for the potluck dinner? Does, Does anybody need to let anybody know or just bring something huh is that what we're doing so what what do we normally bring uh meal dessert main dessert okay main main dish number one you got to have that you can't get in without that no i'm kidding all right bring that and then desserts how many y'all planning on bringing a dessert all right good all right we'll have some good desserts awesome and uh drinks you can bring a drink if you like something special then you probably should bring that all right, and uh, that way you'll have it, and it'll be good. We can all enjoy the, and look, we're all going to bring some good fellowship. It'll be here, all right, so don't miss it. Be in your place next Sunday. We'll have service just like this, and then we'll dismiss over uh, to have lunch together. All right, some upcoming events there. Uh, we hope you'll take time and read those. Missions Conference coming up next month. Our contribution statements for the year are in the back uh, on the table there, so if you're expecting one of those, please check out the envelopes in the basket. Pick your copy up if you would, please. All right, and then uh, the nursery schedule is posted. There's a couple other extra things. Uh, Let's see, ladies, please check the secret sister basket. Where did we say that was? In the foyer in the other room. All right, so check that if you would. And if you're singing for the missions conference, Reach the World, that's our special. If you're participating in that, then right after the service, let's meet right here by the piano, and we'll go over that a couple of times together. We only have a few times to practice, right? So... I don't know about you, I need to practice a lot when it comes to singing specials, so let's meet there and do that right after the closing prayer, and uh, we'll get that done. I have been singing with them, so if you, if you need me, I'll be up here, and I'll step aside there if, uh, if need be, all right? So I think that's it. Did I miss anything, Brother Chico? We good? All right, awesome. Everything's good. So let's close in a word of prayer. Thank you so much for being here. God bless you as you go forth today and live the life. Amen? Brother Chico, would you close us in prayer, please?